Throughout the Russian intervention into Ukraine, there have been repeated questions about the origins of the conflict, of what is motivating what some have termed Eurasian civilization to invade their neighbor. And why is this a proxy war? Not simply over material resources, but rather to the direction of Western civilization as a whole and the liberal world order finding any rival to its ideological apparatus of power to be unthinkable. Now, I have tried to be fair in this interview with my friend Alexander, who himself is a media insider in Russia, who has experience with the military, and who is equipped to both give a historical answer and a deeper answer into the nature of the current conflict. Join me as we discuss together the implications of the war in Ukraine, various issues around the West versus quote-unquote Eurasian civilization, and my attempt to give a somewhat fair assessment of what is happening from the Russian perspective. I do not claim to be an expert in any of these things, nor am I 100% certain of which side, quote-unquote, I should be supporting or not. But I think that this information and the topics that we cover is of vital importance because the perspective from the Russian side is sorely lacking in terms of mainstream acceptability or outlets. This is why today's episode of Content Minded is an Odyssey exclusive, because even mentioning such topics on YouTube freely will incur the wrath in the eye of Sauron of the Jannies. Me and Alex tackle the most controversial issue of the day. Because good content is a light towards truth, beauty, and knowing. Doing it live. No, no, no. Oh, great, because uh, uh, I apologize in advance. Uh, my neighbors decided to drill their walls, I guess, uh, by law, they're required to stop right now, but maybe there'll be, you know, like an instance of drilling, like a half a cent, half a, uh, ah, no problem. a minute. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, but a live stream, it's kind of awkward. <laughs> okay, sure, sure. But uh, I guess, but to introduce, um, I, I can just call you Alexander, right? Is that good? Mm, oh, yeah, sure. There's a lot of Alexanders out there i'm not looking to build a brand so it's 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 fine it's no fine. no but for the, for the um well i wanted you to like uh uh talk a bit about yourself without like oh sure revealing too much because like for the record um like you have given me uh you know as i guess this is my journalistic uh integrity i mean but i'm just you know a guy on the internet um uh, you you have given me your personal information, and I can 100% verify that you are who you say you are. And I know that with the current situation, I mean, the chances are, like, I'm going to have to put this only on Odyssey because I'm just totally paranoid about YouTube. Um, but I'll, chances are that, like, the way things uh, are going right now, um, you don't want to, like, fully disclose who you are. But more... Mm, yeah. But more or less, you would describe yourself as a journalist or a writer? Um, I would describe myself as a media functionary. 
let's let's call it that because jur journalist is a, such a you know specific term and people use it in america in the west and in you know in russia here uh, with different connotations and for me it's a question of integrity to not call myself a journalist because in, in my understanding a journalist is a you know is a heroic figure is a guy who journalist who goes after you know the real the real deal does <laughs> investigative reporting and stuff like that and i am definitely not that i have been working in the newsrooms and uh, on tv channels for uh, you know the last 12 years but i wouldn't call myself a, a journalist uh, i'm an editor more of an editor oh I so see. but i've done a lot of different things uh, that go beyond you know just editing content so i would call myself a media functionary that would be the most accurate um so I guess, I guess, like it's sort of it's it's half a joke, but I guess to get it out of the way, um, are you or are you not uh, a Kremlin shill? Uh, are you paid off by uh, Putler? Uh, are are you infiltrating uh, the Western dissident media space by contacting uh me? <laughs> <laughs> I am not. Uh, I I have not been ordered to contact you or uh, you know uh, approach anyone in the Western dissident sphere uh, by any Kremlin functionary. Because like they but could just I cut out the middleman. Like I I come pretty cheap. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think they have a bit more on their plate than to uh, court the Western dissident sphere right now. But no, I have been employed by the various state media, and you know, uh, because that's kind of my background. Uh, essentially, uh, I have the same career path as Yuri Bezmenov, okay. who I'm sure, who I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, I have a bit, a bit of a different education uh, because I also uh, trained as a military officer and then I went into journalism. But if you do military education, uh, and this was like years ago, if you do military education, essentially your, uh, you know, your career paths are very limited. And every time I try to, because I, I didn't expect to become a media guy or a journalist, it, it, it was never on my agenda. but. Uh, things happened and this was the only path open for me and yeah. when you're when you have that kind of a background you're considered a security risk by any commercial entity and especially a western commercial entity because uh, my uh, profession originally is languages i'm an english major essentially uh, with with caveats and every time i wanted to get hired uh, you know to a western company to like improve my station they said oh well, sorry sir you're a security risk you're you're a security apparatus like uh, you know guy uh, yeah. anytime uh, the kgb want to get at us they will come through you and essentially i couldn't get a job like at all and then i found another guy who was like like me and he offered me a job and it, it was like state media and from there on out i was like a state media guy and they basically taught me everything like how to do journalism how to do news reporting how to do everything uh, but uh, the first outfit I worked at was the API Novosti, which is like the, the Yuri Bezman of his thing. And that's where the most, this is like uh, mm, uh, Associated Press for the yeah. for the West, uh, for the American, like CIA and stuff like that. that that's the same thing, like uh, a, a sizable like 
contingency of guys there are spooks. I wasn't a spook because I was filtered out because I wasn't good enough to be a spook, like uh, too principled, I guess. Uh, and but still, that's that was my path, and uh, you know. I, I've had some experiences over the years uh, that I think make me qualified to comment on things that are going on now. Yeah, because you, you sort of have a perspective of how the media works, but also how um, the Russian military works in particular. And it's, yes. a per, it's a perspective that I think like has been purposefully shut off. Like what you're telling me, your sort of lack of opportunities because of your background and your education, it's very much like kind of the cold war never left us in some ways, but only now it's the liberal world order, um, taking on the, uh, you know, instead of the Austrian painter, now it's the Russian painter. I guess you could see if you know what I mean, like the polarity of ideology has reversed in some ways, but, um, but apart from that, so you, you were working in, in media, like as an editor and doing various things. Um, did you, did you want to pursue a career in the military or was that something that you got out of for whatever reason? No, that was just uh, a family kind of thing because oh. my dad, my dad also did what Yuri Bezmenov did. And, uh, when, you know, the question of education came when I was finishing high school, uh, you know, we sort of got together and I said, uh, what, what are the most like, uh, what, what's the best option for me? And he said, well, you can do this, what I did. And I said, okay, that, that's fine. But uh, at, at the time I was graduating, uh, the Russian army was going through like uh, optimization reforms. Yes. And all of all of our, like uh, the, the commission that I was supposed to receive, it got slashed. And that was it. I, I was mm. just, you know, uh, essentially I just went to a university. So I didn't get an officer's commission, but I got a diploma, like a degree. And uh, after that, I was like on my own, on my own. Oh, I see. I see. Um, do you buy the Bezmenov story? I know that um, there there's some people that doubt uh, his like the validity of like his background. And they say, like, I think he had a connection to here in Canada as well. Uh, there's some people that say, like, what he was saying about the Soviets wasn't exactly true or like he was like a Western prop or whatever. Like, do you like having been in those circles, do you buy his story or? Somewhat, yeah. Uh, the elephant in the room is that, you know, the the, the main critique of uh, Bezmenov came recently from Logo, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure uh, your dearest friend. Uh, and he was saying essentially that uh, the stuff with the Bezmenov is, uh, follows the accuse your enemies of what you're doing formula. And he yeah. was saying that, yeah. that everything that Bezmenov is saying is what uh, the West is doing to the Soviet Union. And in that instance, he is absolutely right. But that doesn't prove that Bezmenov himself was an absolutely artif artificial person who was never a Soviet guy. Uh, I think I think the the truth is somewhere in the middle. Uh, I think both both sides used the same subversion method, and it was co codified uh, because uh, essentially the Soviet Union, uh, you know, collapsed uh, ideologically exactly the same way that Bezmenov describes the communists subverting the U.S., yeah. like the demoralization, the stuff like that. It happened exactly the same. So any person that would like accuse Bezmenov of describing, you know, the, the, the mirroring situation, they would be absolutely right. 
I think Bezmenov definitely inflated his position a bit, but oh, I yeah. don't. I I don't think he was a, a complete fiction. I think he he was a uh, he was a guy like me, basically uh, a media API novice functionary. He went to India, and uh, he got. You know, he got a taste of a good stuff, like uh, with the hippies and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And he decided to like to, to just go with that. I think that's a very plausible story. And because, uh, you know, a lot of people wanted, well, a lot, how I should rephrase it. Uh, a number of people left the Soviet Union in more dramatic ways. Like there were guys who were like flying with, with uh, supersonic jet fighters, like uh, those, the fighter pilot that went to Japan in the late 70s, oh, yes, yes. Uh, who took the 223 strategic bomber with him, which is a, a major uh, issue. And the guys flying from like uh, Pakistan on the Mi-24 like helicopter. So, you know, it... it it wasn't like an, a super exotic happening, but and he didn't seem to be like a high-ranking KGB officials because there were more high-ranking KGB officials that left in the early 80s, like in the 82. There was one guy who just disappeared, and he disappeared at the time. There's a very interesting uh, case, and I encourage your listeners to like look it up because it's uh, it, it's very uh, illustrative of what was going on in the Soviet Union in the late 80s in the well from the mid to late 80s yeah. uh, when a bunch of uh, cops uh, dirty cops militia it was called because you know uh, militia and police are different kinds of uh, like uh, law enforcement institution but they were cops essentially and they were uh, subway cops metro cops they were guarding the metro station and uh, they uh, spotted a guy who had uh, w what is called a ration. He held he had a food ration, which was loaded with uh, like salami, like cognac and stuff like that. And, you know, they wanted to get a piece of that. Yeah, and there was a bunch of bribery and corruption going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, they basically, you know, they pulled him in for for a check, he was drunk, they were drunk, and they basically kicked him to death. And it turned out that this guy was a KGB guy. And in the Soviet Union, regular police could not approach or in any way engage KGB. If yeah. if someone pulled out a KGB like uh, ID, that was it. That was over. You're, you're supposed to like just turn away and like go. Like, They're make, above the make, law, in other words. Above the law, absolutely. And they killed him. And they called their boss, and the boss decided to. It was. It's called a murder on Zhdanovskaya. The murder of Zhdanovskaya was the name of uh, the subway station, and it's a pretty interesting case because it led to a massive cleanup of of uh, police in Soviet Union. And while that was going on, another guy disappeared. Another KGB guy who was a, a cipher, a cipher guy. He was mm. breaking codes, and he had all the all the books all the works and it was a major like security risk and those policemen they copped to his murder they said that they killed him too and they were obviously tortured to you know to say that and it later was revealed that he crossed over to the west he was uh, he, he he was in the usa you know singing yeah <laughs> about all the secrets so he's a song a lot yeah. 
Soundbar, yeah, and so a lot of those guys were going around like in the 70s, in the 80s, when the Soviet Union was in obvious decline. So it's not a, you know, Bezmenov, uh, completely legit, I think, in my opinion, at the end of the day. Yeah, because there there was, I think around the 80s, there was the legitimate, like, legitimacy crisis, I guess, couldn't be hidden, especially if you were, like, working at the top. Um, there were, I guess, a lot of KGB agents said, well, if I'm going to face like somewhat of a Nuremberg-esque trial or I'm going to defect to the West, I mean, what are you going to do, right? Um, there there was also, I remember Adam Curtis uh, covered this in his documentary. Did you watch um, Hypernormalization? I think that was- Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he talks about Putin's advisor being part of um, uh, working in the avant-garde art movement in Europe, like from London and Brussels and France, well, Paris in particular, and how like- the sort of like, and Dugan talks about this as well, like the Russian postmodernist ideal is sort of different in that the sort of the total plane of like the public consciousness is like fractaled, fractaled among different political factions and how like, you know, Putin exploited that. Yeah, it was kind of clever, actually, because like here in, in the West, it's very much like left and right is the only two, like the narrow liberal spectrum is like the only consciousness, right? Um, but sure. Yeah, but uh, so with Bezmenov, I, I know like this was like during, I think, the Tea Party uh, era and then later um, up until like 2015. Like I'm thinking like last few years of Obama, Yuri Bezmenov was like huge, like in like right wing circles in North America. Like in t like that one video, the one uh, lecture he recorded in particular, I remember like seeing that. On like Facebook and like early, yeah, like early right wing YouTube channels, like the, these are like you know, I I guess like you could describe them as like magatards or whatever nowadays, like the Tea Party people. But yeah, so Bezmenov was like hugely important, I think, in terms of like the lexicon of like subversion. Um, so but yeah, so that's that's interesting. Um, I wanted to talk about your perspective. Um from like specifically from the Russian perspective and if you could sort of give uh, people what the mood is currently, because as we're recording it in Ukraine, um, I believe they just took Papatsnyaya and they're going to yes. encircle um, with the Donbass militias and with the Ludansk militias, they're going to encircle, I believe the 8,000 or so Ukrainian troops that are, <laughs> that are there. So yes. um what what is the mood like in before we get into the specifics of the war um what is the mood like in russia currently is there widespread support for the actions of the russian army and of putin and um i know in the west uh we have a lot of like which i frankly don't believe um information about protests and so forth uh yeah so just we'll start with that then we'll get into your views of the war so well, concerning the protests, um, apart from those couple couple of uh, you know uh, uh, protests that happened like right away, there have been no major or minor even protests at all, at all. Wow. And uh, uh, you know, there is no there is no pop popular movement like against against the war, the action military action none none whatsoever 
And um, I mean, people, yeah. people. I, I bet people like have diff different opinions and uh, different like f factions uh, in Kremlin and in in the populace. Like, have different assessments of it. But uh, there's no like uh, opposition movement to to the war uh, in particular. It, it it all happens on the internet uh, with the usual suspects like the Navalny's crew. Uh, they're posting their like defeatist stuff and but there there are no like marches there are no uh vigils there are no like get-togethers uh, like nobody's camping out on the red square so none of that and and is it because of uh like is it because russia is like this you know totalitarian nightmare and that you will get arrested by um, the FSB, or is it that? Um, is it just that? I I know that they're reporting opinion polls up as early as last week, saying that Putin has like a eighty percent approval rating. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, of course, I'm consciously aware of the fact that the Kremlin probably puts out propaganda as well. But I think, yeah, I haven't seen any evidence of like widespread protests, like. I, the thinking in the West, I think you you're aware of this because you're aware of like what things go are, are going on here. The mood among like the the sort of chattering classes and the intelligentsia is that like the war will be so disastrous for Russia that Putin will either be deposed or if he loses, he's gone, or someone in his inner circle will like uh redact him if you know what i mean but like these are kind of delusional <laughs> ways of thinking. uh yeah uh probably they that could have happened like in in the first like five days maybe yeah and but it didn't happen and if uh you know and now it can't happen because the, his position is so solid so solidified especially with everything that that has been coming out from the ukrainian side and I'll just, you know, for the record, I'll put it out there. Uh, you know, this is a this is not a great thing. You know, I don't wish uh, like destruction and, and death on the Ukrainians, even though they are they are a very like uh, harsh people, and they would absolutely do the opposite for me. So this this development is, you know, it's not great to be in a war, like, right. to be attacked for whatever reason, but. Having said that, uh, I would, you know, always, if your country is at war, you're supposed to go with your people. Uh, and I think uh, uh, someone put it out there, like, uh, I think it was Limonov, uh, Eduard Limonov, who was mm -hmm. the famous founder of national Bolshevism, along with Dugin. He said that, like, years later, I think in the mid-2000s, when Georgia was happening, and he said, you have to go with your people. Because if you don't, we all know what that means. So even though I don't like enjoy this, you know, I'm, I'm, I definitely want for uh, for uh, for us to prevail, for Russia to prevail. And I think that sentiment is shared by a lot of people. And I've talked to a lot of people who are not great fans of Vladimir Putin or his, or his administration, enduring administration, and they have the same sentiment, like a fairly liberal people, they think, well, if we're in it, we're in it. And if we're in it, we are supposed to like, uh, come out on top, preferably, you know, so yeah. that's, that's the mood. And I think that explains the support 
And I'm hearing that the Kremlin itself was like a bit surprised, taken aback, but by how supportive the people are, wow. how how in it, because the the techniques and the promotions were changed because Putin had that weird rally uh, where where he like uh, it was the stadium and they came out. And he made a speech, and uh, Maria Zaharova was there, and uh, the head of the Rush Today was there. Excuse me. And uh, it went swimmingly, and everybody's for it. And uh, when we got, you know, message from the pollsters and the opinion makers, and they said, "Wow, we never expected this." We thought the the pushback would be much much higher because when the first protest happened, it was again like it's traditional Moscow like uh, yeah. opposition, uh, progressive liberal opposition, and then nothing like you know no no political force is uh, you know making a claim for this issue or to be like anti-war. There are no popular leaders, no speakers, no opinion makers. Uh, so the Kremlin and Putin, they have complete like carte blanche to do as they like. Uh, everything that everything the people need is a victory, and that would be more more damaging. Like if suddenly like they stopped, uh, like right now they just said, "Oh, that, that's it. We've got Mariupol. We've got like Popasnaya. We and that's it. We're we're not going forward because the people want to, you know, go forward, like push through to Transnistria, like to completely landlock Ukraine, so to to own the Black Sea. That's the general mood. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's fairly surprising, you know. Um, that's curious because, like, what you said about supporting your country, because a, a lot of like. Okay, there's two factions here among the right wing and the West, as you know. There's, I think, what is a growing sort of majority, which is either like ambivalence or we hate the GAE, the gay, so much that uh, we're willing to like literally be like, Halputler, Halputler, like, which I, you know, I say as a joke from time to time on, on BTR. <laughs> but I, I think like, I you do have to support your own country, but at the same time, like even I, I remember there was a stream last week with uh, Richard Spencer, my friend Joel Davis. Uh, he's like, well, you know, it's bad optics if you don't support your own country. Like if you're a dissident in the West and you like support Putler and the Russians. Uh, and then there was this other article by because there is a sub faction that do support Ukraine. Uh, there was this article on countercurrents about Coach Red Pill called uh, Coach Red Shell. And, and I think it was written by Greg Johnson. And he said, like, you know, Ukraine is, like, one of the whitest countries on Earth. And, like, these Russian uh, Mongols, they're, like, destroying, yeah. uh, you know, this pan-European ideal. And so there's <laughs> a plethora of, like, we'll get into, like, what you think of that. But I think, like, from my perspective, I consider my current the current regime that I live under to be so hideous and vile and against my um, worldview here in Canada, and I literally cannot leave my country legally because of the guy at top, the uh, yeah. Castro's uh, son. Um, um, I consider, and of course, like Christia Freeland, his second in command, she is one hundred percent totally, uh, you know, for Ukraine. Her grandfather yeah. was a Nazi that uh, helped Bandera, <laughs> and um, so like. Canada, like the way I view it is it's not good. Like I, I don't 
wish that there was war in the world and I wish that there, you know, there could have been a path of neutrality, but if Canada is creating this like pious sort of sentiment of like, we're going to support the Ukrainians, even though in my opinion, Western support translates, you know, equally into greater suffering for the Ukrainians. I, I mean, I just don't see it in my opinion. I think like, I don't know. Like, what what do you make of this? Like, uh, yeah. Well, uh, in particular, in relation to Canada, Canada has one of the largest, uh, if not the largest, uh, yeah, diaspora of Ukrainians, yeah. and uh, you know it's a huge voting block. And if you have like a, uh, such a block inside your country, you have to make certain concessions. Yeah. And Canada, Canada is a part of NATO. Uh, you know, they were on board from the get go uh, when. 2014 happened and Russia annexed Crimea and yeah. uh, stuff like that. So they were they were on board. So it, it would be weird if they changed their way. If no, I mean, that's not. Way. Yeah, I mean, uh, so, but, uh, you know, from from the start, what was perplexing to people here and in the media oh, concerning coach Red Pill, I had to explain to people like who he was because <laughs> Yeah. At the at the like uh, we have the morning like the morning gathering where every desk comes in and you like uh, you say what what stories are you developing for the day and guys that are over there right now and they're saying this Chilean reporter Gonzalo Lira he's like he disappeared the Kraken squad got him and I said you know he's not a reporter but <laughs> go get <laughs> go get him guys and he like everything fine everything was fine with him. Uh, you know, so that's good. But concerning uh, the support of uh, Western democracies, let's call them that, yeah. uh, well, progressive, progressive liberal states. Uh, the the biggest question was for us, like, why is the collective West like blowing their load so hard over Ukraine? It, yeah. it was unseemly because this uh, the billions in aid like 40 billion dollars it's it's unprecedented really it, it really is because uh, russia got you know in 2008 got uh, in a in a war with georgia which again with georgia same as ukraine like provoked even more than ukraine they actually started like firing on on russian troops there uh and there was no like equivalent support then and yeah. georgia was pro-western uh, um, trying to get into nato it was in the south of russia strategic risk everything everything was the same but now you have this insane level of support that that is you know i'm not saying it just to be hyperbolic it's insane it really is insane oh like so you gotta ask it's, in, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. to the level of oh sorry to cut you off but like it's to the level of like a religiosity the way that yes indeed indeed co- yeah yeah it's like uh, it's like we're in the final days and this is the Armageddon battle you know and if if we will delve into more conspiratorial angles to this I will I will talk on this on this too yeah uh, sure. and it give it gives the impression that you know this is like do or die and it, yeah, it's my- very puzzling. My it's very puzzling said, for yeah. My, like my father even said, like having uh, he was a later he's a later boomer. He's like I could remember the declining days of the Soviet Union. It's like we didn't even like we didn't even hate Russia that much. Like you know <laughs> yeah yeah. And uh, 
sorry, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, that support is indicative of uh, there being like a motive, a motive that goes maybe even deeper than just the desire for regime change. And circling back uh, in the style of Jen Psaki, circling back to your uh, mention of that uh, the the expectation perhaps was that some like uh, the uh, Putler would be like overthrown well yeah. that didn't happen and uh that sort of uh to me betrayed the out-of-date information or misunderstanding of how russia sort of composed itself and evolved since 2014 because the most bizarre thing was the these sanctions on the uh, so-called oligarchs yeah. Like, uh, oh, we're going to arrest their yachts, super yachts, we're going to freeze their assets. And we were in the newsroom, like, when this happened, and everybody's seeing, like, okay, like, so, so what? Fine, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> everybody's for that. Everybody hates those guys. And uh, it, it only bolstered support for Putin because, oh, he finally, because people were like asking to do this for years. Like and yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter who's doing it like Putin himself or he like rattles the West so much that they're doing it because these uh, oligarchs and that's a misnomer and I will get to that in a minute. Uh, everybody knows that they got their insane riches like absolutely insane sums of money by plundering Russia in the nineties. Yes, because they were they were all involved in the nineties privatization and stuff like that. So. When they their assets are frozen, yes, of course, that they are confiscated by the West. It's not the best outcome, but still, at least something happened, and that was a that was a major factor that played in like in favor of Putin. Like everybody was happy about that, and f for the ruling classes of the West to not either not know this or to ignore such a possibility, that to me betrays. Uh, that they're operating on their, like, you know, a perceptual disconnect, like some sort of a program. They believe yeah. their own hype about that this uh, uh, Russia is a, is, a, is a prison, basically, which is ruled by, like, absolutely totalitarian methods, and no one can support Putin on their own, which uh, I will say I'm not a big supporter of Putin. But again, if we're in, like, he's the wartime executive now. So right. my me not supporting him right now would be, like, tantamount to, uh, like, betrayal, treason. And not in the sense that someone will come in and arrest me, but I will go against my people. So, you know, and, and that, that's, that's a question of principle. And right. everybody feels that way. And uh, the people in the West, they don't seem to realize that. Uh, they thought that those oligarchs would do what exactly? They would do a uh, they would do net to brute, the yeah. circle of tyrants uh, against Caesar, and uh, they would yeah stab him in the back or something. Yeah. And my question would be how some of these people like they froze Mikhail Friedman's assets. Like Friedman hasn't been in Russia like in, in 10 years or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like who, what this is such a uh you know they're all in London. It's weird. Yeah, they're all in London. They're all they're they're still there. 
Like, and whoever wasn't in London, they're there already. Like, Patanin, uh, Vladimir Patanin, uh, he, like, got up and left for a couple of guys from the government, like, up and left Chubais, the infamous uh, architect yeah, of the privatizations. Yeah. yeah, he up and left. He was, like, the next day he was in Turkey, like, at the ATM machine, getting cash, like, full photographed at the ATM machine in Istanbul. Like, <laughs> absolute, like, an, like an absolutely comical figure. Yeah. And who who's going to do the coup? Who's going to overthrow? Like, what was the plan? It's absolutely bizarre. And at the same time, everybody's happy about those guys having a bad time. So... You know, like, show me the rent corporation that came up with the plan. Who who are the planners? Like, <laughs> did they really rely on advice of people like Michael McFall, who's an, like, absolute retard? Like, yeah, I'm he's, convinced. A, he's a fucking clown, like, you know. Absolute clown. I'm, con I'm, I'm no fan of Russian, like, foreign affairs ministry because I think they're unprofessional. Yeah. But if, if you want, we will, uh, we will get to that later. But they were absolutely correct in assessment of McFall, who was like the ambassador for the longest time and they basically called him like a retard he's like completely incompetent <laughs> he's he's not fit to do what he does and uh, i i i personally am of opinion that his incompetence was one of the reasons why the astroturfed like uh, opposition in russia that was supported by the state department it yeah. didn't go anywhere it died on the wine completely Nibali, because, i remember that pretty yeah, much. yeah 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 because because he he couldn't support them adequately and i think they actually listened to this guy and this uh, and he like brought uh, this assessment to the establishment and said well Putin will get overthrown. No, he won't. Who will do this? You you need absolute like military support and yeah. Like Ru Russia is a is a lot of different countries stitched together. It's a federation. I mean, yes. you know, yes. we 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 took we took ourselves from the empire to the Soviet Union to the federation, and it's the same thing. Like you have to have absolute approval of everyone to do this, and it's physically impossible. Like if like you you would have to have some you know like you would teleport in a day between the leaders of Tatarstan, Bashkiria, Chechnya, uh, the Far East, Siberia, Urals, and you, you have to get there okay because they're the regional elites and uh, they, on their land, they have the military infrastructure, nukes, and everything. Yeah, and, the Tartars in particular, they say, is yeah. quite important financially for Putin. Um, Absolutely. Are all, and there's, is the Ukrainian... Yeah, I was just going to ask really quickly as an aside, is the Ukrainian war... Um, a rallying point for Putin? Like, does he... Because I know he has broad support in Chechnya because of Katerov. Like, the Chechens yes. are absolutely, like, winning. Like, they are... Oh, they're they're oh, loving man. it. Yeah. They're absolutely loving it. It's the best thing that happened to them, like, since, like, sliced bread. They're... they're <laughs> They're so they're so happy. Well, I, and I'm not being facetious. I'm not being like comedic. Like if you go to they, if you go to Telegram, you see those videos where they edit the music. Yeah, they like they're absolutely they, yeah, they like have it. smiles on their face and they're like Alakbar and they like every yeah, yeah, yeah. every one of them has a rocket launcher for some reason. Like every single one of them. Well, um, they are a warrior people, and yeah. like their society was forged in an extremely brutal like a decade of war with Russia like, yeah, from the much. from the from like 93 to 2003 roughly speaking well, uh, when the Soviets point. like they literally tried to genocide them if I recall like through yes they, it was yes it was quite quite unpleasant like uh, for ethnic Russians that were living there it's a uh, it's very multifaceted uh, like history with yeah. them 
and us. And there there has been a lot of animosity between like Russians and Chechens like oh, yeah. in the past, even, even recently, but now all changed and everybody loves them and they're having a blast. They're having a good time uh, because they're fulfilling their like mm, meta destiny. Warrior uh, like, spirit, yeah. Warrior spirit, yeah, like Jung would call it like the, 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 the racial destiny. Uh, that 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 is so deep, it has to be like fulfilled in one way or another, and that's one one way to do it. And they're absolutely like uh, on board with this. Yeah. And um, yes, it has been a rallying point, a rallying uh, like. Uh, mm. It has entrenched the support of Putin among these various. Groups. Yes, yes, I th I think so. I think so. Uh, that that could be said like with uh, absolute certainty because, uh, well, first of all, that that is surprising because the media, you know, I I should say that the Russian state media apparatus is not very like professional on 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 the propaganda, despite whatever yeah. is being said. It just has a set like setting, like go, and everybody is doing what. No one is uh, like crafting elaborate propaganda uh, schemes. Uh, and when you're when you're doing this kind of approach of hands, uh, someone will start to fall through the cracks. Right. You know, like well, I'm not getting the full picture. I'm being misled, and everything is bad and we're living in the matrix, uh, blah, blah, blah. But now people are willingly putting themselves back into the program, so to speak. They're like connecting with, with Putinism, sort of, that we have to. And that that's, a, that's a, an important thing because Russia had no ideology for the longest time and still has no ideology, I would say. Yeah, like... There was the the Carlin article, um, Russia's nationalist turn, which I want to talk about yeah. a little bit. But go ahead, go ahead, I cut you off, and then I want to ask you more about the the Chechnyans and uh, absolutely. Yeah. And so now this uh, all all that is going on is supplanting ideology. It is becoming ideology. You know, people yeah. that were not convinced that the West was an enemy, like uh, the enemy. Now everybody is convinced. Everyone can see it. And like I said, I'm talking to very liberal people that were like very progressive, very liberal. Oh, pro -Western. And they were liberal means pro-Western. Pro yes, pro-Western. And they were they were enjoying uh, the postmodern liberal life, so to speak. <laughs> oh, the, the German TV host. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's so yeah. good. I want to talk that you know about that later uh well they the, these people they are now saying well the westerners think uh, of us as subhumans as the as the like the uh, mongolian yeah. nazis hordes like uh, devouring hordes locusts that and uh, uh you know uh, it's a it's a tough thing to um did, did you, you know, see i deleted my tweet because I fear the blue and yellow people with the flag in their bio um, on Twitter. The head of, I believe, the Prime Minister of Sweden, who is also involved in Brussels, tweeted that painting of the Russians as orcs and the Teutonic Ukrainian knights defeating the orcs. Did you see this one? No, I haven't seen it. But, oh, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, I really don't want to fall in this, like, uh, trap of... Uh, 
whining about russophobia because yeah. i don't like it and like uh, and that that has been the go-to like mode of uh, uh, the russian mfa and every every russian who's speaking english and uh that, wants to like repeat, sort of, it's the repeat yeah yeah it's the russophobia but the german but, general plan ost like yeah yeah yeah, yeah nightmarish yeah. plan then, for the slavic people <laughs> yeah. absolutely and uh, they just want to but now it's all coming true and you can you can take any progressive person and show them like well well do you see there there are no good russians we rapidly found that out and i i was in in an interaction on twitter where an lgbt like young russian like sort of a person uh, i don't know whether they were, they were a man or a woman and they were like trying to get out basically leave and yeah. they had no like recourse and they were saying, and they immediately got swarmed by like uh, not even Ukrainians, but by Westerners that were uh, telling them the most like wild thing, vile like stuff, like you die, you should die, and stuff like that, and you know, just absolutely vile, disgusting. And uh, I could see in real time this person getting red pilled that. Even even if you even if you claim to be like a progressive Westerner style of European Russian, which is yeah. a thing, and if you're like LGBT and all like that, you're you're nothing to them. You are subhuman. You you have always have been. You just outlived your usefulness. And now the word is out. There are no good Russians. Everybody should die. We should like glass Moscow kill everyone uh like take their resources people are saying this on twitter like openly there's absolutely there, there are politicians like, who are saying this openly. Well, politicians yes yeah. so uh there and that has, say this yes absolutely and that has been uh another like point in this massive support for putin because everybody was, oh my god uh, 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 Everything that Putin said was true. They really, they really do hate us, and they really do see us as like enemies. And there, there, there's no way out. We have no friends, like except maybe the Serbians or the uh, Chinese, I guess. Nowadays, uh, well, they're not so much as a friend. We're like very loosely uh, yeah. geopolitically aligned. Uh, I would, I would like to get into that later as well. But, I, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and that's it. That has been the major, like, uh, major revelation, and that that is another another factor that plays into the support for the military action and Putin himself, and that that is starting to crystallize into a new ideology that once again, we are like, you know, we are in this position as as the Russian Empire was, as the Soviet Union was, yeah. and now here we are again. Oh. Everything that preceded this moment was an illusion, paper thin illusion. They just liked us. You know, they just liked to come here, like plunder the riches, like uh, get mail order brides, and that's it. You know. Uh, yeah. And now this this is this is all over, and the the masks are completely off, and people are keen to that. People are not stupid. You know, they they like realize what's the out what's the outcome of that if you support that. Uh, nobody's going to like come in and pat you on the head and say, well, you've been a good Russian, so you get to live. Like, I kill you. You find a guy, I kill you less, like in that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Like, uh, they hate you. They they have hated you for the longest time, and you're, you know, you're a fertilizer to them. Uh, so, so, yeah. For those who don't, um, the general plan Ost was the Nazi German plan, I believe, constructed by Heim uh, Heimrich Himmler. 
where like basically genociding like basically 80 almost 80 percent in the span of two decades so if they would have won from the early for late 40s to the 60s um basically germanize uh up to the ural mountains because that's where the teutonic knights went um and like a good 80 percent of russian peoples would be yeeted or they would be forced um past the urals into siberia and into mongolia um but I, I I think like the rhetoric that we're seeing against Russia is quite something. But I wanted to talk specifically about um, I guess the contrary perspective because it would be like uh, unwise of me not to bring this up. A lot of in the West, uh, a lot of white nationalists that are on the side of of uh, Ukraine. I mean, a lot of them are on the side of Russia, uh, but a lot of them that were like pro Ukrainian. I guess I don't know. I guess because uh, Azov Battalion uses the the, the spinny wheel. Um, yeah. <laughs> I uh, but there. I mean, to to someone like Greg Johnson's credit, like he's supported Ukraine for a very long time, and he's certainly more sincere than the other than the other guy. But uh, they they see that because of the Chechnyans and because Russia is a federation state that is made up of many different races and peoples, they see it as essentially an asiatic invasion of a more uh white russian or should i say kievan rus people in ukraine and their sovereignty is being violated by this mongol horde and like there's even in the west among like mainstream liberals they're like kind of like playing into like a racialist lens where the russians are these asiatics they're these orcs and the ukrainians are kind of just like western europeans and so from your perspective, like, how would you respond to that perception? Is it fair to say that maybe it's not good optics to have like, like Ural Mountain Muslims come there and like invade Ukraine or like, yeah, you know what I mean? I would, you know, I would agree with that assessment. Sure. Like, and it's not a point of contention because I don't consider myself like uh, I'm a reactionary. I would desc describe myself as a reactionary. Yeah. But I'm not right right wing in the way that like you guys over there are right wing. And I think I think that perception uh, and uh, the support that the Ukraine gathered uh, in the right wing like extreme like circles. And I completely understand those guys. Like yeah, you've yeah. got the Wolfsangel, you've got the Spinny Wheel, and they're base Nazis. And like it's great. Like you know Thomas seven 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 said on Twitter. Like they're they're your guys. You know mm -hmm. you're you're not supposed to like say that Putin is Hitler because Hitler was your guy. He was your guy, and so <laughs> you don't get to make that uh, that sort of uh, like uh, comparison. Yeah, Putler. Uh, as far as the optics go, well. You know, we got to do what we got to do. And uh, f this, uh, you know, betrays the uh, myopia and um, I should say lack of education of uh, Western nationalists in about Russian history and how how this whole thing works. Like, I I've seen this many, like many times on Twitter, like, oh, Russian Russia is a Muslim country, like 20% Muslims. Well, yeah, have you seen them? Have, have you seen what the people you are talking about? Like, because I know what, like the Western nationalists think when they say Muslims, they think about like people that are a nuisance to them, like in, 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 in 
Great Britain, yeah. and Western Europe, like trans transplanted like uh, people from Africa or Middle East, but the people here, the Tatars, the Chechens, they're essentially like you know, uh, for for the lack of a better word, like white. And the they look kind that... of white. They look more white <laughs> yeah. than yeah than a lot of like sure. us Mediterraneans do actually. <laughs> Yeah. And they have been the part of uh, the, the greater Russian, like, uh, statehood for so long that no one is thinking that here. Like, no one is saying, well, should we really do that? They want to fight. They they live to fight. And uh, everybody, like, is, oh, well, okay, if you want to do it, please, fine, like, go ahead. As far as the optics, yeah, sure, th that's going to be played, but uh, there's no way around it. Like, you, can, you cannot, like, go uh with with like the minister of defense and pick up pick up pick out like the white-haired blue blue-eyed like blonde soldiers for optics you know we yeah. guys we need maximum optics for this one or the western wignets won't support us <laughs> so no no one is no one is concerned with that because it's uh, like uh the support for ukraine has been you know astroturfed so hard uh like in the regular society in yeah. the regular western society that uh optics for like um based neo-nazis or whatever yeah they're not they're not anyone's concern the, the concern is to win like above all above all and, else and if yeah. if that is achieved by like sending like the whole throwing the whole of chechnya like they're like fine i'll we'll take it you know well, those people they live they basically live to fight so they live to fight yeah. they're, they're a warrior, warrior warrior race they're like a classic bronze age like uh bronze age mindset peoples like they you know <laughs> the, the, absolutely they they yeah, embody everything that like the that is in the book which i have which is a great book and when i was reading it like oh what he's describing is like the southern like uh caucasus like peoples like because they they live like that and uh, that's their ethos. And so uh, when this broke out, uh, you know, they were absolutely for it. Well, Optics... they managed to hold off the, the Russian military for 10 years. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in the end, the, the war was ended by, because they decided to come over, like, as a whole. Yeah. You know, like uh, to switch sides. Because of Kamarov's and... father and yeah, 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 yeah. Of Putin, yeah. And uh, so... I understand, like, the question, because uh, Russia has been, like, promoted and uh, it, it was promoting itself as this based traditional, uh, like, based Russia. Yeah. We all know what, what is... And what, what yeah, Western means. Western right wingers reading Dugan and and so yeah 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 well <laughs> that's <laughs> that's that's so funny man but we'll get to that uh, and um, but, what uh, I wanted to say yeah, um, what I wanted to say and I know speaking from experience that of course I am hurt by like being called like an Asiatic because I'm not Asiatic I'm Baltic. Like I have significant Baltic admixture. I'm not fully Russian. Like I'm Russian Baltic, Russo Baltic, which is I like to call it the worst of the both worlds. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, everybody is hurt. Everybody like wants to be loved, and Russia is a nation of like people pleasers, 
and we are very touchy about our uh, like uh, international image and being called an Asiatic like hurts. But at Wait, this Russia's point, Russia's being uh, touchy. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that's not yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, this has been like this existed like for the longest time. Like, and this uh, there's there's a, a a certain like amount of people pleasing going here, like in the national in the national character. Like uh, Russians want to be seen as as this like uh, going back to the uh, time of the empire, like as this grand, like jovial, like friend like bon vivant rough man you know like yeah. a guy who, who lives in in the forest with the with the bears who's like an exotic an exotic like rough man but who is still very kind and giving that's yeah. that's how russians like see themselves and when when that self-image is being challenged like i'm sure you know you're a great uh, aficionado of jung when you when you challenge a self-image and when you present points to the country that may be like based in reality, it's it's a very it's a difficult thing. And so right now, the the country as a whole is going through like self-image issues. Well, you're dealing when, with your shadow essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When when you are like being being presented with a uh, with a possibility that hey maybe you are an uh, Asiatic like conqueror like a liberator like. Uh, uh you know no one no one no one likes you really and people are like internalizing that and they're coming to terms and they're they're realizing that the self-image they have cultivated it has to be turned inward like uh you have to be this person for your like neighbor for your closest uh like friends and family and you have to help out like russians in need you don't have to constantly project this this grand image of uh, the for like westerners and that's an yeah. important part of this whole deal and uh, well, the, uh, the, the information coming yeah. out of russia is almost next to nothing or zero like they really they do not care about the propaganda war and the ukrainians they like live for it in fact they will they murder for it. Yeah. their own people to do it the man in power the cokehead in power i mean he literally is viewing things through western categories i mean he's wearing a shirt with the um oh my god with, with the star <laughs> with wars the, yeah star wars uh, space plane and I, oh my god it's so embarrassing but can i ask you though that yeah. is there a substantial difference though between the genetic composition of ukrainians and the genetic composition of say the ruling class like at least the white russians from moscow and from near the border of of uh Ukraine. That's a that's a question best put to like Nemets or Hakan because yeah. I'm not a I'm not a big like haplogroup guy. But uh, here's the deal: Ukraine in the in the Soviet Union enjoyed uh, quite a powerful position, uh, oh, and really? uh, well, of course, uh, the uh, a lot of a lot of um, USSR's elites were ukrainians and like uh, the chernyenko one of the last like uh, secretary secretary generals was ukrainian uh, and uh, like uh, inventors and stuff like that and uh, military leaders and statesmen were ukrainians and everybody was fine with that but as uh, as with most like regional elites when the soviet union was breaking up uh, they decided that they you know oh we we can do it on our own 
Yeah, just but, like former Yugoslavia. Was yeah, there. yeah. yeah. We, oh, we don't need those like uh, Moscow's, you know, like Russians. We don't need them. We've got all of this. And uh, turns out they couldn't. They couldn't do it. They couldn't cut it. Like it wasn't enough. Something wasn't enough. So they constructed this uh, ideology and uh, bordering on religious belief system of the, the great Ukrainian like independence heroes like Bandera, yeah. uh, Simon Petlura, and uh, all, all the other guys. Uh, and that supplanted the lack of progress since the, since the independence, because in, in Ukraine, like the 90s never ended. All, all, the, all the people that are uh, that get called like oligarchs, like Zelensky himself was basically installed by an oligarch. Yeah, like Kolomoisky. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, th these, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're like extremely different from us, like genetically, but I would say that they decided to uh, differentiate themselves ideologically, and they succeeded so much at that that there will be no reckoning we will never be like you know it's over like we will never patch this up we will never mend this in any way we will never be because that's that's a major like uh, weakness of putin's he lives in this neo-soviet like fantasy world he yeah. really he really does and that's not that's not a that's not an exaggeration he really views like uh everyone as basically as a former soviet citizen yeah, because people, I mean, I've gotten pushed back by other nationalists and, and they say that is the alternative of being ruled by Russia really better than being ruled by the GAE? And I wonder, like my response is like, well, there's historic precedent there to say that like Eurasia, the, like the greater like re Eurasian, like either Belarusian or Kievanusian like experiment yeah. is more sound than say all of Ukraine is essentially like Western Europe. I mean, that's kind of, it, it's hard to say though. I mean, the more I do hear it, I am sympathetic, but at the same time, I mean, is it really better that like they're uh, basically like a playground of like Western backed oligarchs and the sex slavery and, and all of that. And like, basically that they're the dumping ground of Western elites. I mean, I, I don't know, like, but then would it be better for them to be ruled by Putin and his regime? So well, like, see, yeah, yeah, that's the that's the big question. And of course, there's no like uh, right or wrong answer. Of course. Uh, like like I, outside of my edgy like pastiche, because of course, like, let's face it, a lot of it's because I'm pushing back against Lev, right? So I have to like, <laughs> go extreme. But the more I do think of it logically, I mean, there is a point to be said from like Western dissidents that do support Ukraine to say, yeah, is it really better that they're going to be basically the bitch of Putin? Or is it better that they're going to be the, like, eternal um, Western NGO propped up state the way that Ireland and even Canada here is? I mean, I, I just don't have a good answer. Nobody has. I don't have a good answer either from my Russian perspective. And I would consider myself like a Russian chauvinist. Yeah. Like, I would, I would in, like... You know, it's like Jordan Peterson like referred to this, like everybody who wants to change the world just wants not a better political system, but wants to be in charge. Yeah. And of course, like in my like dreams and fever dreams, when I'm in charge, like I, I'm 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 making everything work. But even from that like perspective, I wouldn't have an answer for this. I would say no. I would say nothing is better. I would say this is a, a, um, an instance of having to choose between two evils. 
yeah essentially yeah. and well and this is a terribly like cold-hearted thing to say and callous thing to say but uh th this this has been a choice that th you know was made like go going back like hundreds of years ago like back to the civil war when yeah. the russian empire was breaking up and uh, the ukraine like essentially already made that choice and this has been described like at length if uh you are familiar with mikhail bulgakov uh he wrote like at length uh, he wrote like three or like, novels and plays about this because he was from Kiev. He considered himself to be like Russian. Uh, and uh, he later moved to Russia. And the, the remnants of the Russian Empire, the White Russia, so-called, so yeah. like the, the royalists, they were trapped in Crimea. Uh, in Crimea and like the, the region where the fighting is going on now. And that that's where the Red Army was pushing, like in the end. Yeah. And that's a major that's a major point, like in in uh, in that history that they were backstabbed by the like the, the Ukrainian nationalists who who decided to throw themselves uh, with with like with the foreign powers, with the Germans, the, the Austro-Hungarians. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, and. Then that choice was made again, like in 2004, when the first like president Yushchenko, uh, he said like uh, the, I think what he said like decided this, like even even before like 2014 before Crimea because yeah. what this guy what what he said and he was if you remember the guy with the weird face like he claimed to be uh, poisoned by the Russians with oh like, yes that's right uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. by something called like dioxin which uh, ruined his face somehow he he had like this look of a leper like uh, like yeah he was it's the nuclear particulate yeah 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 and he said because uh, he was an astroturfed like pro Western guy against uh, uh, a pro Russian guy. And that was the 2004 election, and that was the that was when the term color revolution was codified because they had all their like orange flags, and that was the orange revolution. Because oh, in Russian right. politics, it, it's called like orange revolution. We still call it like that. All color color revolutions are called orange because of that because it's it's, it's been such a precedent. And they were debating like the status of uh, Russian language as uh, the secondary state language in in the region where the fighting is right now. Yeah. So that Kherson, Mariupol, Donetsk, and he said that he would absolutely be against that. And then he said, and this is absolutely prophetic, uh, prophetic. He said, Russia ends where Russian language ends. Hmm. Yeah. So from 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 the horse's own mouth, and I think that's where like people over here realized what they were after, like what the ideology of this like Ukrainian nationalism, which comes from the western parts of the country, like from Galicia, yeah, uh, uh, Galicia. Uh, that's what they were after. They were after to like completely like supplant uh, anything that could be viewed as Russian with their ideology. And they were pretty successful at that. So I think for Western nationalists who look at this, uh, that's a success story that these, like uh, uh, the people that were under the yoke of the Russian imperials, then the communists, 
And then they were in a struggle with a federation and they managed to liberate themselves and they managed to become extra super like nationalistic wignet, like they, they got the spinny wheel, the works. And that's a success story for a Western nationalist who dreams of such a like fate, a future for their people. So right. that's completely understandable. But again, yeah, everything is a matter of perspective. And it's very easy to say like, oh, well, those those guys, those Russians, they're, they're just Asiatics. And um, yeah. so yeah. everything we do is justified and, you know, they cannot lay any claim. But the thing is, like, Russia is still like uh, like 90% like uh, ethnic Russian, like, right. you know, right. so, uh, and we view the, those people like as Russian, but not as a as a sort of a above above the state. Like you know, everyone who comes from like this territory is Russian. Like, and it can be an Asian person, it can be a Caucasian person, which is not it doesn't mean white here, like in America. But yeah, it means Congress. like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It means like Armenian and stuff like that. And they get called Russian, like. And it was a major revelation for me when I was working like the courtroom news, like, and I was uh, translating some case about the Russian mafia. And those guys were from Central Asia. They, they were not not a single like not <laughs> yeah. like not not a single like Russian person there. And I was like, why why do they keep calling them like they're not Russian? They're they're not even from like Russia, like. Uh, they don't even have the citizenship there from the CIS states. And that's the thing, like those people that live there, like in the Donbass, they're like Russian, Russian, they're like ethnically yeah. Russian. That's what they, they're what call the Putin's favorite philosopher, Ilium, called like the triune, like Russian people. Yes. So yes. there's the, the Russians, the Belarusians, and the, uh, I don't like the term little Russians, but it doesn't translate the Malarussians, Malaros. Uh, which is like a, a Russian living like there yeah. outside of the metropolis. And that's the view of the majority. And it can, it can be interpreted from a nationalistic side because Russian nationalists right now have no problem with uh, like the Chechens being there, with the Uralics being there, because we are still basically bringing the people home like yeah. and they uh, they you know they expressed like many many times that they wanted to do this like they want they want to be part of they they don't because the people coming from the western ukraine like uh, they basically said well you're not going to be russian anymore either you're you're converting to this ideology we constructed here or you're basically you're done you're gone and they had no qualms uh, about like exterminating them in the most like well there, there are people, of war. again this is another point that i argue with lev because lev believes like a lot of western liberals that essentially putin manufactured this conflict in donbass and ludansk and in prepasnaya like that essentially like they didn't want to like genocide them and like there's no such thing as like the ethnic erasure of russians from Ukraine and this is all made up and essentially like Putin just wanted to like expand and like so there's people like the Western media they think that they've told people that like from Maidan onwards from 2014 onwards that um the sort of like soft like militia war that was happening in those areas that like you know there's no such thing as like the Ukrainians wanting to expel the Russians or whatever that this is just basically uh, a construct of the Kremlin, 
which I think is bullshit. But like, what, what do you think of that? Well, that's absolutely um, an attempt to misrepresent like what's going on, because Putin in Putin combines these two views like uh, in in his worldview, he, his neo-Soviet like view, and uh, what he mentioned in his speech is historic Russia, because yeah. people here were were shocked. Because he never said that before, uh, and uh, for him to come out on a such national, such a nationalist position, it's it's quite unprecedented. Because yeah, this is we what all, we, said as well. Yeah, we we all thought that Putin was like neo-Soviet boomer, basically. What, what Morgan, <laughs> yeah. what, what, Morgan, what Morgan Freeman said in 2016, and that like Hillary Clinton advertisement. Well, he's a KGB agent that wants to restore the USSR, and everybody was like, well, yeah, probably that that's probably true. You yeah. know. Yeah. Cannot argue with that, but then, like uh, the biggest, you know, the biggest hurdle for, for Westerners uh, to, in understanding the whys is that his speeches were not like translated; they were not relate to the Westerners at all. Yeah, and in them, he revealed like a lot of those, and he revealed that like that concept of historic Russia, and that's like uh, from Ilyin, his favorite philosopher, yes. uh, who's like not n not left-leaning uh, or Soviet-leaning at all, like in any way. Uh, he's a very re he was a very reactionary like philosopher. He was anti-communist as well, if I recall. Absolutely, and uh, for Putin to make appeals to this to this concept of historic Russia and the uh, historic Russian peoples, that was a major like ideolo ideological shift. And that, uh, going back to what I said earlier, that, that is our own forging of the new ideology of, of the return of the historic Russia. So the historic Russia becomes an ideology. And uh, concerning what like Westerners don't believe, well, there are like OSCE reports on, on the Ukrainian action, like in Donbass, which were like certified by the Europeans. Yeah. Uh, that they're abs they absolutely view people in the East as subhuman and uh, uh, because they are Russian, they consider themselves to be Russian. And uh, th the what happened in 2014 was a push uh, to exclude them from the body politic because yeah. the largest the largest party was the party of regions. And the party of regions was a representative of uh, the South. Uh, Southeast of Ukraine, where the fighting is right now. So, so Russian-speaking people, who uh, you know, for them, this ideology of like the Western Ukraine of Galicia, of the all the like the spinning wheels, it was absolutely perplexing because those 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 are like the neo-Soviet boomer people, like the average average age of fifty, and they remember like the USSR and like yeah. they. They watch the war movies. They watch all the content. Like they, they like the historical movies and stuff like that. And you're coming into their like life space, and you are like doing the spinny wheel, the SS like uh, march, and they're not going to be with it. They're not going yeah. to be with it. Why do they people, remember why do we... like their grandparents? They, yeah. Like and, talking uh, about the Nazis and yeah, the absolutely, Bushes, absolutely. Yeah. And if if you watch. Putin's speech, like the twenty-two and the twenty, the twenty-fourth. Empire of lies. He's, yeah, yeah, he's extremely angry. Like yeah. uh, you could, you could tell by his body language, his uh, his face is clenched. Uh, he's very uncharacteristic. I'm sorry, I'm tongue-tied. <laughs> Not in character. He's he's very angry because yeah. Putin, like, uh, he projects himself as sort of a like 
uh, dad, like jovial guy. When he has the the big like press conference, he's he tries to like position himself in for like a zinger. He likes what, zingers. Really? He likes jokes. Yeah, absolutely. Th- he like this is cra- sorry to cut you off, but this is crazy because <laughs> like in the West we see him as this cold, stoic Soviet re like retread. Like he's like the stereotypical like Russian that you would find in uh, Dostoevsky or the way that like Shotsunitsyn described. And I will get to Shotsunitsyn actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like you know, he's a stoic, cold figure, and that he's like you know supreme. Uh, detachment at all at all times but you're saying the opposite like he always like he's, he's that he yeah. he's he's very he's a very composed person i guess yes. because westerners see him uh, at official functions and stuff like that but he's a he's a mischievous guy he has that mischievous side to him he has the you playful know how side I know absolutely that? you know how i know that that famous photo of, yes of when the, the pussy famine, riot, the pussy, pussy riot yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like mocking <laughs> her no, no, he's amazing. making like the thumbs up, and he's like looking. He's like making a face. Yeah, he's making a face, like, and he's naked. doing the thumbs up. And uh, it was the the greatest meme. Like, uh, no, comrade president, don't make the thumbs up. Like the secret service guy is trying to like stop him. And he's, no, Boris, it is too late. I already made the thumbs up. It was already too. It was always too late. Uh, no, uh, if you if uh, if you watch his like press conferences, he would get uh, his press secretary Peskov to call upon like some uh, stunt like question or like uh, set up a joke and he would knock it down. Like there's <laughs> all, there was always like one moment, at least one moment he absolutely has to get like a zinger uh, in somewhere. It's, it's like he's watching old Reagan speeches and he's like, yeah, that's. <laughs> I, I, th- I think, I think uh, that that is supposed to represent the humane side. Like yeah. he's, he's a man of a people. Like, uh, I don't know how coordinated that is, but there's been a lot of instances where he like, uh, he is, he's being jokey, he's being playful or he, uh, or he's being angry. And that the second one, he's him being angry is, uh, uh, it's not as often. You don't see that. And we yeah, were like, uh, with my colleagues. Yeah, yeah, sorry. No, but in the speeches, like he he would he kept saying, um, I don't know if it translated well. He's like, why would the West do this? Why would they do this to? Us? Like he was. Yes. Yes. Almost baffled yes. by this, like anti. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think he is. I think he is baffled, and I would expand on this like a bit later. Yeah. Uh, mm, he was extremely angry. You could see he was almost like seething. Like yeah. there's no other, yeah. there's no other word. Uh, I know it became a meme, but there's no other word. He's like, and uh, everybody picked up on that. Uh, and uh, the going theory was like the more conspiratorial theory that when he was meeting with Schultz, Schultz made light of his claim that the Russian people in Donbass were oppressed by the Ukrainians yeah. who were yeah. like espousing that uh, Benderite like neo-Nazi ideology. And for Putin, this is a quite a touchy subject because he was born in 1952 in St. Petersburg, which has been under siege, uh, like one of the like the most known, like the brutal moments of World War II for Russians. Oh, a million is the people starved to death. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's uh, uh, like uh, there are like books written about it. It's uh, and for people from Saint Petersburg and especially born so close to the like like that would be seven years after 
So uh, the memory and the trauma would be very much alive. And so you're, if you're, you're saying in- that Putin like is of the boomer generation and him seeing like Azov and other parts, like other like right sector using like the the SS Zigruns and like the the Topkov to him. That's like abominable. That's like, yes, yeah. yes, indeed. And what happened like that, uh, this is not confirmed, but, uh, you know, I'm giving you the juicy insight. What we were discussing, what we were discussing, uh, like in the newsroom that apparently either one of the translators or someone like that, he translated uh, Schultz's assessment as ridiculous or preposterous. Like he, he made that like the translation that this is ridiculous, like mm-hmm. what Putin is saying that the Russian people, Russian speaking people, in the in the Donbass are being oppressed by these people that are espousing like uh, this ideology, and Putin like was absolutely like livid, like incensed by it. He he went like stir crazy, and uh, like the, in a couple of days he comes out with a speech and he says like that's it, like we're doing this, we're doing this now, like I'm done. I'm done talking to these people. That was one of the going uh, uh, like uh, versions hypothesis, that yeah. hypothesis. Yeah, that there was a personal touch to this. And if you look at his his composure during those speeches, I could I could definitely see that. I don't know how true it is, but I could definitely see something like that being being a part of it. Yeah, because I wanted to ask you, like, what what was the motivation for the invasion, and what does victory even look like to Putin? Because you're saying in in some ways he's almost idealistic uh, about like the greater, like, you know, the Nuvo Rosso coming back into the fold because the, but yet in the West, as you know, um, we view it as like, he's invading a sovereign country and he like is essentially like, if you've, uh, I brought this up to my good friend, Goran, who also has a podcast and he is uh, from, Macedonia and we were talking and he came down uh and he's like you know I, I mentioned that one uh Gary Kasparov thread at the beginning that got like a hundred thousand <laughs> oh retweets he's saying like they're basically ready to like well this is going on Odyssey so they're basically ready to like genocide all Ukrainians and that like the world oh, is gonna geez. watch Rwanda the world's going to watch like Slobodan Milosevic basically like genociding like Bosnians and like basically <laughs> Putin is like Slobodan and he's like Vatko Mladic that's like fucking gonna rally all of like the Ukrainian men and just like murk them. Like like that I think like that that's the rhetoric, like that's the operational belief in the Western media sphere and among like normies with the flag in their bio, that mm. Putin is like an insane warmonger that wants to like destroy and genocide all of Ukraine and like but then what you're saying is that no, like he views them essentially as part of the same people. It's just that they're being polluted by the West or they're being polluted. So like answer that, but also like what exactly does anti-fascist mean in a a Russian context? Like what does denazification mean? Like, cause obviously like, I don't think the Kremlin really cares about like, you know, Western shit libs that use that word Nazi, like nothing, but like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for him, again, this is a generational thing. He, when he mean like Nazi is a completely meaningless term in, in the West. Nazi is a white guy who's like, has a bit of a self-interest. 
that's not. And for Vladimir Putin, for people of his generation, he he always made a big deal of like the Victory Day parade. He like yeah. revived this like because they were they were going on under Yeltsin as well. But with Putin, he really made them pop. Like he really like you know played up to it and not not only because like uh, i would rebuke the critics that would say oh that's in place of ideology no that's a that's a personal thing for him that's a, he's from st petersburg and he was born yeah. in 52 like when when people who who were like imagining a cat to survive because you're you're sitting on a siege like yeah. imagine being imagine being relayed this story like when you're like five reading bread with sawdust in it. yeah that, that 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 would that would you know tilt your perception of like uh, in a in a certain in a certain way so for him that means like exactly like the, the nazi the 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 nazi and here's perplexed uh well not perplexed but he understands that this ideology like from his understanding uh which was very marginal like it, 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 very marginal like in the past yeah it, it it flared up only when the western powers needed to partition russia it flared up during the fall of the russian empire which the austria hungarians and the germans played on it and uh, it helped and it was uh played up in the partition of the ussr again with the western like powers like started f fanning the flames as the physical genocide well first of all like that's not it that's not possible it's physically physically impossible right. i think he wants to smash the ideology i think he and i don't think how, how we are going to achieve like right now because obviously whatever war plans they had they had to be changed because yeah. that's my assessment like uh the uh, because a lot of people on, on Twitter are saying, "Oh, Russia, Russia is done for. Russia is losing." Well, I would not go out that far. This month. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna uh, tomorrow. Uh, uh, the day, like two more weeks, like uh, Patriots <laughs> are in control. Trust two the more plan. Weeks. Putin That's arrested plan. and executed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like he, he's he. Putin is sent to the Black Dolphin two more weeks. Like, <laughs> yeah, the Black Dolphin. Because everyone in the West watched that documentary on Black Dolphin. Yeah. yeah, but it's uh, yeah, and uh, so he's gonna be well, next to Ivan. His cellmate's gonna be Ivan the Cannibal or whoever. In yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy like some serial killer from the park who bonked like uh, old ladies with a hammer. No, uh, and <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of people that are there. Like it's uh, uh, yeah, it's true, it's true. But yeah, going back, going back to this, uh, I think. You know, it was obviously a failure of this uh, hybrid war doctrine. Yeah. Like the the Russian command, like, uh, and I would absolutely call phase one. I wouldn't use a term as dramatic as failure, but it wasn't a success. Miscalculation. I would not, yeah, it's a it's a gross, gross, uh, grave miscalculation because we, I think, realized that. Like th this hybrid war that that worked on like the Georgians and this and the ISIS in Syria, it wasn't like going to cut it here. Like when you are matched with like a conventionally armed and uh, structured army, yeah, uh, and you are going in like with one hand tied behind your back because Putin is still not not laying not laying the guys play loose. Like they still have to be mindful of civilian casualties and stuff like that because again he wants to be like. I think the illusion of being seen as a liberator evaporated, but he still wants to like do it as as uh, you know, not just butcher like a whole country of people. Because, because where, where 
where do you go? Well, where do you go from there? Like, yeah. like what do you have in your hands? You have nothing. Uh, you because have in the West, like the media, they're like they're looking for genocides to the point where they're like creating them. Like they they think that, yeah. Remember Butchia? Yeah, yeah. Like they, yeah, that went out of the news cycle quick. I'm sorry for interrupting. Oh, but go ahead. That's yeah, just, what happened with that? They, they that's that's just such a such a classic story. Like, uh, well, where is it? Why is no one talking about it? it, it I, I'm, I'm like asking a rhetorical question, like posing it to you. Bucha, bucha, it was all over the news, and that is gone. Like, yeah. yeah, no, no one, no one is talking about it right now. It's not on Twitter. It's not in the news. Like John, John Kirby is crying about atrocities. Like he's doing his like school play. Like uh, Peter Kid, yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh my, he's he's doing the fake choking, and uh, you know, like like he's. Tom and Jerry cartoon. It's or and, that and woman where, from the Kiev Independent that said like yeah like guilty uh, that they basically Kiev, Kiev Independent. Uh, like, I hope people realize that Kiev Independent is uh, like a Soros-funded blog. It's not even a real newspaper. They have no print. <laughs> I knew it. Like knew it. you, you, you can, you can, you can like uh, look up this woman, and she's like on the uh, some uh, open, open. Uh, what's it called? Open Democracy Foundation. Oh God! Oh uh, God! Yeah. She's she's on there. She's on the list, and that's the main sponsor. And uh, the the like, it's not a newspaper. It's not a it's not a registered media. It's she a blog. essentially it, said that all Russians are basically subhumans at this point. And that oh they, yeah, well, uh, that they we'll don't see, think and, like us, and they have no connection to mortality like us Europeans do. So. No, that's the. Uh, I think that's the German lady, and I. I will. I will like get no, back. No, no. She in also the had tweets like. Oh, she also had. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. That's okay because you know, um, from my point of view, and I will like try to like circle back to your original question. Yeah. From my point of view, like this ideology, it's ba at this point is basically a cult. Oh yeah. Like it's it's a cult that. Well, like COVID. Uh, COVID was. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cult. I mean, I mean. Um, in the sense of how Western Ukrainians are like enmeshed into it, like it's a it's a religion at this point, and uh, like they and uh, imagine your your religion being vindicated by a military invasion. <laughs> that's like that's that's the best thing that happened to Ukrainian like nationalism like ever like in in a hundred years. That's yeah. the best thing ever. They they are completely vindicated in their worldview that uh, Russians are like uh, like Asiatic, communistic oppressors, Holodomor, hordes like uh, destroyers. Like that's you know that's it. You know, imagine Jesus coming back to Earth and like all the Christians would be like, oh, <laughs> well that well that settles it. So it's it's the equivalent of that. Yeah. And this ideology is so strong that they they can just like r run with it like the program is complete